Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Well, if you'd like to grab a Bible, either from um, in front of you or up on one of the um, window ledges, and we're going to be looking at Proverbs 27. It says Proverbs 10:11 in the service sheet, but it's Proverbs 27 that we're going to be looking at, um, verses 1 to 21. Proverbs 27, verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. One who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry everything bitter is sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Be wise, my son, and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Take a man's garment when he has put it up security for a stranger, and hold it in pledge when he puts up security for an adulteress. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted as cursing. A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's right hand. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit and he who guards his master will be honored. As in water, face reflects face so the heart of a man reflects the man. Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, and never satisfied are the eyes of man. The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, and a man is tested by his praise. If you'd like to turn back in your Bibles to Proverbs 27. Amen. You may have noticed at the front we have 
Um, got a little bit of a leak in the roof, but I promise this isn't a deliberate prop to try and illustrate verse 15. Um, we won't actually be focusing on that one. Um, this evening we are going to be focusing on the Proverbs in this passage that speak of friendship. Um, you may have noticed that throughout um, this chapter there's actually a, a number of different relationships that are spoken about there. Chapter 27 of Proverbs is um, a very relational chapter. Within the, the 21 verses that we read out earlier, it addresses how we relate to strangers, how we relate to family, how we relate to our spouses, how we relate to our bosses, uh, and of course, how we relate to our friends. But I'd say out of all of these, it can actually often be friendship that we talk about the least. The topic of friendship can be one that can be easily neglected and I think I've certainly found from my own experience that it's maybe something that comes up a lot less in conversation than other things like marriage or family. But the Bible places a huge importance on friendship, as was shown by the passage that we've read out today. These verses can help us to live out wise, biblical friendships. But even more crucially, through this, we can also learn how to better relate to God one of the ways that Christ refers to his relationship with his disciples is as their friend. So learning what the Bible teaches about friendship will enrich our current friendships and, and also our relationship with God. And this also isn't a passage just full of unrealistic ideals for friendship. Proverbs is a book for fallen people in a fallen world. But we'll see that God has gifted us friendship, both with himself and with others around us, as a means of softening our sinful hearts and comforting us in life's struggles. You'll see that the, the first two verses there open with a lesson on humility. Just have a read through verses one and two there. They urge us to avoid an attitude of boasting and praising of ourselves. It's interesting that before this passage goes on to say anything about relationships or friendships, Proverbs encourages unselfishness. Take a look at verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. In other words, have the humility to realize that the future is out of your control. It's urging us not to boast in the future. Then verse 2, let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Basically, have, have the humility not to praise yourself. It's urging not to praise ourselves, but instead to let what others say about us be the real judge of our character. In each of these two cases, the key is realizing our own weakness compared to God. With verse 1, it wants us to remember the gulf between us and God in what we can know. Only God knows what the future really holds. Don't boast about future things that you can't know will come to fruition. On the other hand, verse 2 wants us to remember the, the gulf between us and God in holiness. Don't praise yourself. Listen to what a a stranger says about you. 
And then you might realize that you're not as praiseworthy as you might think. Now, looking at these two verses may have seemed like a a slight tangent from the topic of friendship, but I think the reason um, that these are included here and the reason that I've mentioned these at the start is that they seem to sort of directly speak into the later verses that we'll look at. So hold on to the um, first two Proverbs here because they've got a real relevance for what this chapter has to say about friendship. The humble and unselfish attitude that's described here helps us to grasp the later verses more clearly. So with, with that being said, let's now look at what these verses have to say about godly friendship. There are two main aspects that are, are mentioned in chapter 27. Firstly, that godly friendship should rebuke. And secondly, that godly friendship should counsel. And so let's look first of all at verses 5 and 6, where we see that godly friendship rebukes. Well, perhaps when you thought about what Proverbs might say about friendship, you thought it might start with some of the more comfortable aspects. You Perhaps maybe the, the faithfulness, the loyalty and comfort of a good friend, and, and then maybe we'd move on to the slightly more uncomfortable parts, like correction or rebuke. That's not the way around that 20, chapter 27 does things. Look at verse 5. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. The first thing that our passage has to say about friendship is rebuking is important. It says open rebuke is better than hidden love. Rebuking is a key way of showing our love towards a friend. Love should never be hidden in any friendship. Obviously, we want to show the people that we love that we do, in fact, love and care for them. But how often do we consider correcting and rebuking as such a central part of showing that we love and care for someone? This is obviously a a very difficult thing to do. Verse 6 doesn't shy away from that. It shows that it's something that will hurt at first. Verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Being rebuked leaves wounds. It can sting. It can cut deep. It can leave us hurting. But this verse is clear. You're far better with the stinging wounds of a loving friend correcting you than being showered with nice compliments by someone that actually couldn't care less about you. I think we can often crave the latter, but... Let's remember that the stinging wounds of a friend's rebuke is a good thing. It's easy to shy away from your rebuke. It's it's maybe something that we view as something that only our really troubled friends need. You know, the ones that need some serious help. You know, I think we can kind of go along with a lot of our friendships, hoping that we actually never have to correct each other at all. It's just something that we might have to do in a crisis or if a a friend really oversteps the mark. But any friendship that we have is between two sinners, two people with hearts full of sin. So actually it makes perfect sense here that a helpful friendship between two sinners shouldn't be one of flattery, but one of correcting each other. 
Rebuke is a key aspect to loving our friends well, which of course needs to be done prayerfully and sensitively. Not just because we're annoyed or dislike something that our friend is doing, but out of a genuine desire for them to grow in Christ-likeness. If it's not being done out of love, then we won't be causing the wounds of a friend, but we'll just be causing wounds. And although these verses show the importance of rebuke, they don't command it constantly. We don't need to go away from today and just spend all of our times with our friends correcting each other now. I mean, that's going to completely ruin teas and coffees after church today. But when rebuke does come lovingly and prayerfully from a friend, we should see it for its value and not its pain. And I think this is when we need the humility of verse 2 that we spoke about earlier. We need an attitude that isn't craving praise, an attitude that realizes our own sinful nature and has a desire to change that. Friendships need to have a mutual expectation of being corrected and correcting. And I wonder if having this kind of focus in our friendships would in turn mean that we're actually able to receive Christ's correction more easily. Christ has rescued us from sin so that we might be a a holy people. When he returns, this will be perfected, but in the meantime, his friendship with the church is, is a friendship with sinners, sinners that need to be changed over time. And Christ doesn't hide his love. He clearly shows his love by seeking to correct us. Whether it's speaking to us through his word, convicting us through the Holy Spirit, disciplining us through the trials of life, his rebuking and correction is out of love. It can hurt at first when our pride takes a hit, when we're convicted of something that we've been doing, It can be hard, it can sting for a while, but let's remember that Christ's correction in our lives creates wounds of a friend. Godly friendship rebukes. But rebuke isn't the only characteristic of of godly friendship that's spoken about here. A godly friendship should also counsel. Look now at verses seven to 10. As you look through those verses, I wonder, maybe you weren't expecting the the first two out of those four verses to be read out today. Let me just read out verses seven and eight. One who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. What of either of these verses got to do with friendship. And I guess that's one of the kind of amusing things sometimes as you're reading through Proverbs is you'll get all these verses on a particular topic like friendship that we're looking at today and then just right in the middle you can sometimes just have a sort of seemingly random proverb about well, seemingly irrelevant life advice. Verse 7 is essentially saying someone that's full of food thinks honey is sickly but a hungry person will enjoy anything. Verse eight compares a man leaving home to a bird straying the nest. 
I think we can all see the truth in these proverbs, but where do they fit in in a passage about friendship? Well, I think they fit in by actually linking very closely to verses 9 and 10, verses that are explicitly about friendship. And I think there's enough evidence in this passage to, to suggest that these four verses come together as a bit of a unit. And this will hopefully become clear as, as we look through these now. So um, let's first of all look at um, verses 7 and 9, at the way that they connect. Verse 9 is a, a picture of the importance of godly counsel in a friendship. It compares godly counsel to oil and perfume. And I think to, to fully appreciate the language used here, we need to kind of imagine ourselves back in the time when these proverbs were written. A time before washing machines or showers. A time where most people worked physical labor jobs in a very hot climate. I'm sure all of us can appreciate the smell of a nice perfume now, but imagine the relief for someone then. Oils and perfumes would have been used to provide at least slight relief from the usual smell of unclean clothes and sweat. And it's that analogy that is used to describe the value of a friend's counsel. As we mentioned earlier, Proverbs is real about the hard and unpleasantness of the world. But within all of this, a friend's advice and help can be so sweet. So how does this connect to verse 7 then? Well, notice the similar language of sweetness that's used in both of these verses, 7 and 9. Verse 7 helps us to understand how our circumstances can affect how we value a friend's counsel. The full man who hates the idea of honey is a picture of someone whose life is going well. From their perspective, they, they don't need the counsel or advice of their friends. They're full up, they, they don't need it. In fact, their pride may even lead them to hate it. Then following that, there's this picture of a hungry man to whom everything bitter is sweet. This could be someone whose life is full of things going wrong at the moment. Their hunger represents their desperate situation. In their desperation, they see any kind of advice or counsel as good. They lose appreciation for the wise counsel of a friend when they're just listening to anything they hear in their desperation. Either way, it's a dangerous situation to be in. Whether life seems to be going smoothly or not, verse 10 warns us that the day of calamity may come for any of us. And that is when it will be crucial to have the wise and godly counsel of a friend. And because of this, we, we mustn't forsake our friends, as it says there. And there seems to be a connection between verse 10 and verse 8 too. Verse 8 shows the insecurity and danger that can come from leaving home and going out into the world. Something that we probably all experience to some degree in our lives. And it's, the peril, it's in the peril of this world that the counsel of a good friend is needed. And I think that's the, the meaning behind the end of verse 10. Let me read that out now. Better a neighbor who is near 
than a brother who is far away. It's having friends nearby to us who can be there to provide the sweet counsel that we need is an important part of life. We live in a time where travel and moving to new places I think is easier than it ever has been. But that, I think, can make it sometimes difficult or even more, more hard to form deep, meaningful friendships with people in the place that we actually live. But we're shown the need for this in our passage today. We may not be experiencing a hard time just now, but we may feel like we can manage pretty well on our own. But we don't know what the future might hold. And that's where we need to draw ourselves back to the humility that we read about in verse 1. We need humility that realizes that we can't even predict the events of tomorrow, never mind the distant future. Our pride can deceive us into thinking that we can be completely self-sufficient. We like the thought of being able to, to get through the hardships of our life by ourselves. And that things surely won't get that bad for us. For many of us, we probably assume that our lives will actually just go on being fine. And it might, but we can't know that. We need good friendships to provide the counsel we need when things aren't fine. The counsel of a friend is a sweet thing. In a chaotic and broken world that we live in, when life can be unpredictable and bring hardship. The counsel that a friend brings can be such sweet relief to us. And if this is how sweet and pleasant the counsel of a friend is described as here, then how much sweeter is the perfect friendship that Christ has? Christ, as our loving friend, is there to counsel us on our day of calamity. Christ has such wonderful promises and wisdom for those in distress. Promises of final restoration when he returns. Promises to keep his people until that day. Christ offers wisdom, wisdom like what we're reading in Proverbs, that can guide us through life's difficulties. I would urge you to make Christ your first Point of um, port of call for counsel. I mean, some of us here will, will be blessed with, with friends that can offer good, godly counsel, but we must listen to Christ first. His counsel will never be bitter. In his infinite wisdom and love for us, he offers us his, his counsel when we need it. He's the nearest neighbor that we could ever have. Godly friendship counsels. Well, I wonder what aspects of friendship you thought were going to be discussed as we gather today. I mean, I've been, I've been struck as I've read through this passage by how Proverbs kind of makes godly friendship seem quite tough and a lot of work. Maybe all this discussion of rebuking and counseling sounds quite daunting. The sins of our life can need some serious correction. The struggles of life can need so much counsel. But Proverbs goes on to show that this is all, this is all good and for an important purpose. 
Verses 17 to 21 form the final unit of the passage and show the necessity of friendship and the purpose that it can serve. The hard work that a good friendship can take ultimately serves a great purpose in God's plan. Look at verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. This verse is probably one of the more well-known ones um, in the section that we've read. Um, and in the days that the Proverbs were written, and this is kind of describing where iron tools and weapons would have been sharpened using another iron tool. Through this process, they were made more efficient, better at what they were designed to do. And similarly, this proverb tells us that God has designed us to be able to sharpen each other, to help each other grow in Christ-like character. And interestingly, the, the picture used here of a, a blade or a sword is used in, in several places in the Old Testament to speak of people's mouths or tongues or the way they speak. So perhaps specifically, verse 17 shows us how our words can sharpen each other, whether that's encouragement or rebuke, People can sharpen each other's character through how we speak to one another. All that we've read in today's passage and looked at serves this purpose of sharpening. We're shown the crucial nature of godly friendships. Without them, we can become blunt and and live less, less effectively for God. And verse 19, a couple of verses later, expands on this idea. I'll just read that out for us. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. The picture here is of someone looking at water and seeing their reflection. And this is compared to us looking at other people and seeing our own hearts reflected back to us. I mean, we're all people that have been made in God's image. We're also all people with fallen, sinful hearts. So as we look at the lives of the people around us, as we see the lives of our friends, we see ourselves in them, both the good and the bad. I think we can probably all think of a time where we might have been quite shocked or appalled at the behavior of someone we knew, whether it was a friend or not. And over time, we've actually come to realize that what they've done, we actually do ourselves. It's, it's kind of been the theme throughout this chapter. Verse 2 shows the way that a, a stranger may view us differently to ourselves. Verse 5 and 6 was a reminder that our friends may, able to, may be able to spot our faults more easily than we can. Verse 7 to 8 showed that someone else's advice is a great comfort in distress. It's clear that our friendships and relationships can help us to understand ourselves better so that we can be sharpened more into Christ's image. God's not designed us for solitude. The people around us mirror ourselves Our friendships can serve to teach us more about our own character. 
In fact, verse 21 shows us that the ultimate test of what our character is like is through the praise of those around us. It uses the language of a crucible or furnace. So these would have been used to to melt down a precious metal so that all the impurities within it would would rise up to the top and then you could skim all of that off and, and get rid of it. So it's a way of checking the quality of the metal, but with the purpose of improving it. So I think when this verse talks of being tested here, this is a test of what our character is truly like, but with the purpose of improving that. These last few verses together, verse 17, 19, and 21, show the necessity of friendship. God has designed us to be sharpened and tested by those around us. I think we all know that this doesn't always happen. For some of us, going through this chapter today might have just been a painful reminder of the loneliness that you're experiencing at the moment. For others, reading through this may have just been such a contrast to the difficult and damaging friendships that we've experienced. If, as these last few verses have said, good, godly friendship is so valuable and so crucial for human nature, then what am I supposed to do if I don't have that? In a fallen world full of fallen people, Godly friendship is necessary, but it's often hard to find. And even the best examples among us of of good godly friendships will ultimately fall short of perfection. Well, these verses should hopefully urge us to, to go out of our way to try and form good godly friendships, but they also show us our need for Christ. Proverbs points to the need for friendship, and Christ offers the ultimate solution for that. Christ, having become man, shares in our humanity. His rebuke comes from an understanding of our weakness and temptation. His counsel knows what it's like to suffer immeasurably. Just as we can look around at others, look at our friends and and learn and test our own character, we can also look to Christ who shows us the perfect example of what humanity should be. Friendship with Christ is more than just a, a nice phrase that we should teach our children. It's a reality that we all share in as God's people. So let's be those who pursue and maintain faithful, unselfish friendships with those around us. But ultimately, let's be those who see and appreciate our need for a relationship with Christ. Amen.